we interrupt the beginning of this podcast for a breaking news alert. Five days late. Or whenever you're listening to this episode. I don't know. Bob Chapek has been fired as the CEO of the Walt Disney Company. We go to our correspondent Ryan Dorman for response. Guy kind of sucked. Thank you, Mr. Dorman. Myself? Well, I felt like Chapek failed to understand how to run an entertainment company and acted like he was the CEO of a weapons manufacturer. I mean, who really cares about the CEO of Raytheon? The entire company already sucks. But the Walt Disney Company, at least for the non-cynics out there, means something to a lot of people. And the CEO has to care about the creative stock of the product and who the consumer is. You know, that's, that's the most important thing. Mr. Chapek only cared about money, and yeah, Bob Iger, he was brought back, he made some unfortunate decisions, and he definitely cared only about the shareholders, but he still had an emotional intelligence to him and knew how to grease the creative gears. He wanted to take our money, sure, but at least he made sure we'd somewhat enjoy doing so. Well, most of the time. I mean, I won't forgive him for the 2019 Lion King, although that's kind of my fault because I actually gave money and saw the Lion King in theaters oh my god that was a bad idea a anyways good riddance chapek I, I hope you land on your feet as ceo of a i don't know you can follow paul pressler and go to the gap with that said mr dorman has prepared a small musical send-off to robert h chapek so long you king of nobody you know what i actually oh, kind of like this one nah 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 hey 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 Goodbye. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Krusty Krab. May I interest you in a Krabby Patty? Or a large Diet Kelp? How about some Coral Bits? Or the Sailor Surprise? We even have the Krusty Krab Pizza. Krusty Krab Pizza is the pizza for you and me. So what'll it be? Yeah, can you say that but, like, a Squidward? Welcome to the Krusty Krab. Would you like a Krabby Patty? I hate my job. So immersive!
welcome dreamers of all ages to another episode of Unbuilt and Unrealized Theme Park Podcast. Are you ready, Dorman? Aye, aye, Captain. I can't <laughs> hear you. Uh, aye, aye, Captain. You have to do uh, it. You have to finish gonna, it. I'm not going to sing this song. Well, who does live in a pineapple under a sea? It's SpongeBob SquarePants on today's Unbuilt. Uh, but before we get into all of that, uh, I just wanted to ask, how are you doing today? Oh, you know, finally, Ryan, finally. I have an episode where I know the source material. That's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, SpongeBob is, 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 of course, going to be uh, a good one to talk about just because I'm a, a child born in the early 2000s. So I am actually very excited. Okay, that's awesome that you know the source material because uh, <laughs> I do too. Uh, I'm assuming this is something you grew up with, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, SpongeBob, I guess, peaked in popularity right around when I was becoming conscious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's that's great. Anyways, um, right now, the IAPA conference is going on. Oh. I'm not sure if you've uh, paid attention to any of this. Yeah, I've been seeing. Of course, you know, it's hard to uh, not to keep updated with it. Though I noticed, uh, I, I saw your one tweet that you talked about trying to focus on IAPA amidst World War Three. And, uh, you know, societal collapse. So thankfully, it seems to have been avoided. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good, right? I guess yeah. we could keep talking about SpongeBob seems, in the case yeah, that we're not a seems, nuclear war. Right. It seems to have been a delightful <laughs> miscommunication. And uh, thankfully, uh, it was just a deflection. All right. Mm. That makes not much sense, but okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah. So IAPA is going on, and that's the, uh, the, trade show for uh amusement parks and there's all sorts of crazy stuff uh, i've always wanted to go um i'm mm. hoping that i can go someday and i had a uh interesting a uh, little tidbit of this grogu animatronic i you did see that yeah. yeah you did see the grogu animatronic now this is not the one that's going to be meeting with guests in disneyland oh. and i wonder why Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. What is the plan for it otherwise? I don't know. Nobody knows. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it was shown off at San Diego Comic-Con, and then it's being shown off here. And mm -hmm. it was, I think it was made by both Garner Holt and EFX. Uh, and nobody knows what they're doing. For Obviously, if they made a Grogu animatronic, it would be for Disney. Uh, right. But yeah, it's it's interesting that this is a animatronic based on one of the most iconic Star Wars characters of the last decade, and nobody knows what they're doing with it. Yeah, it does seem a little odd. I, I guess I was under the wrong impression uh, that it was going to be for the walk around. Perhaps there is some kind of a stationary meet and greet planned or... I don't yeah, know. I think I the know walk that they around use animatronics in the show. So yeah, the walk around is the Mandalorian with Grogu in his pouch, whereas That's this right. is a Grogu in his little um, egg cradle, floating egg yeah. cradle. Yeah, yeah, but it does seem like it's all compact in that cradle. So mm -hmm. I, I suppose it doesn't seem like it's for a. Uh, you know, like an actual installation for an attraction or anything. <laughs> um, that would be amazing if they just announced, oh yeah, surprise Mandalorian attraction. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they'll bring back that walkthrough with all the little animals that they play yeah. for Galaxy's Edge and just throw, throw Grogu into there. Throw Grogu in there. Yeah. And that's the thing. He's eating all the animals. 
That's right. Yes, the little animatronic will. It'll be like a yeah. uh, uh, the the big bre- uh, uh, what's it called? The oh man. Well, there you go. I've I've blown the reference there. It's the thing from the Beauty and the Beast walkthrough where the wall opens up beyond mm-hmm. the dresser. Yeah, right. it'll be a little animatronic Grogu just eating massive pieces of uh, of monsters. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, not much else at IAPA. They're uh, obviously unveiling a lot of coaster trains, and they are also um, they uh, they announced some attractions at some um, other parks, but none of the like the major competitors have really uh, announced anything. But mm. it is a fun fun. Uh, expo if you want to take a look just take a look at all the photos just search up iapa 2022 you're gonna see mm-hmm. a lot of cool stuff um a lot of bizarre things like something called the condiment cow i did uh, see that i saw a video of that okay yeah. and the condiment cow is a condiment bar where you squeeze fake udders to get your ketchup and their mustard yeah that's just disgusting that's just that nasty is, that is weird and i kind of want to do it oh that's an unbuilt that is a <laughs> that's an unbuilt that is a future it's, unbilt well, yeah. that, that 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 was built it's just it wasn't put in any parks yet <laughs> i mean come on if you, come on you like you're disney and you're just like wandering the show floor and you're like oh my god i just got the idea what to put in pecos bills it's disgusting well pecos bills yeah like like that'll last beyond kiana's value that's right that's right that's gonna be going away soonish soonish whenever whenever they feel like they want to announce splash mountain is closing i feel like i feel like splash mountain might be the first like the first major disney attraction in history to get announced that it's closing after it's closed like to keep the worst people of humanity from making a scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't touch that. I can't touch that anymore. That that yeah. that's a that's a dead argument. These people, yeah. like the few people who are online crying about Splash Mountain, mm-hmm. they're uh, they're like little monsters. They peru- peruse no man's land, right? Like shell shocked. Um, <laughs> you, you know the thing about that condiment cow, though. Uh, backing up is that I think most people would say, "Oh, that's disgusting." Until they they make it like a, a tauntaun or something, and then a bunch of Star Wars fans oh, would say that, "Oh, no. it's the blue milk." It's the blue milk. That's how that's you right. Get the blue milk. But it is that... like the most horrible idea in the world, though, that they've mm-hmm. chained up this cow for all these theme park people to come milk. Like diegetically, it's the most absolutely disgusting, most just, evil thing in the world. I'm just like, I was just like picturing people paying five bucks. <sighs> to go up to this tauntaun and then spray blue milk on their face and give the big smile like Luke Skywalker. That is so disgusting. That is so disgusting. I guarantee most people would probably pay it. They pay more <laughs> than five bucks for that. <laughs> it's just so gross. Oh my goodness. I, the condiment cow is an idea that I, it, as a proof of concept, I don't actually know <laughs> any good use for it. It just seems absolutely nasty. Maybe like, I don't know, what farm themed theme parks are there? Hershey's has cows. <laughs> yeah. Dollywood. All right. All right. Let's do that. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's put it in uh let's put it in Hershey and then they're squeezing it for the chocolate milk. That's right. They have the chocolate cows for the yeah. chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. I don't want that either. Like I don't want to you know people are going to touch the inlet. I feel like we've we're talking a lot about the condiment cow. Yes. The like condiment cow. 
Yeah, SpongeBob fans come to this episode, and it's only an hour and a half about the condiment cow. Oh, they they love the condiment cow. You know the way the SpongeBob fan mind it works. They're all about those memes, and this is basically a meme. Do you think that's what like the plan is? Is to garner up attention for whoever yeah, it's, it's made a the TikTok, condiment cow? It's a TikTok trend. Is it really? No, I'm saying it could be a future TikTok trend. Uh, it's like the purple wall. Universal's yes. response to the purple wall is a pair of udders that you can suck <laughs> milk out of. That's how they're going to get people to Epic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> they got to find some way. Okay. Oh, man. Uh, anyways, I think it's good time that we depart from the uh, Orlando Convention Center and we go into the world of Bikini Bottom. So let's go down under the sea. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants. Absorbent and yellow and porous to see. SpongeBob SquarePants. If not, it will not be something you wear. SpongeBob SquarePants. And drop on the deck and drop like a fish. SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob SquarePants. Okay, here we are at our main topic. We're going to be talking about uh, the SpongeBob SquarePants attraction or attractions that never happened. Uh, so you were saying that you're very familiar with SpongeBob. I actually did see SpongeBob on its premiere date. Uh, May oh, wow. 1st, 1999. It was after the Kids' Choice Awards. And hmm. uh, I remember watching it and being very confused uh <laughs> that's basically the way i would say it was like i was very confused it was very weird to me uh you know i would casually watch it but i did not know did not feel the powerhouse that it, i mm. think i was a little bit surprised by it later but um i you know looking back i mean spongebob is hilarious uh especially those first few seasons it's uh as the memes show it is it's resilient to today's it's it's one of those few shows that it feels like even Gen Z, like even though it's old, like they mm. attach to as well, sort of like old Simpsons as well. Definitely. Uh, and yeah, uh, I mean, remember when um, when Twitter Blue was made available <laughs> to all people? And uh, I, I know where you think I'm going with this, but you're not. Uh, Twitter Blue was made <laughs> available to all people. And one of the features of Twitter Blue was that you could put a 10-minute video online. And, of course, somebody used that power to put the entire episode of SpongeBob online called Wet Painters. And I was watching that episode because it was just somebody put it on Twitter. And, my God, that episode is freaking funny. Do you remember that episode? That's the one where uh, they have to paint Mr. Krabs' house, yes? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, yeah and, of course. That is a, that's a classic. <laughs> and he's trying to, like, open the paint can. Well, I guess we should open these cans of permanent paint now. 
Careful, SpongeBob! Careful, SpongeBob! Careful, SpongeBob! Careful, SpongeBob! Careful, SpongeBob! Patrick, the lid's already off. <laughs> and he doesn't want to get any anything on the walls. And then mm-hmm. uh, they paint over his first dollar. Yes, that's right. They they get a tiny. Well, that's the thing. They blow. Patrick blows a paint bubble, and the paint bubble, like SpongeBob, is like, oh my god, that's like the biggest paint bubble ever. It's gonna ruin everything. And of course, the paint bubble explodes, and it fills in every bit of the walls of the house and gets on absolutely nothing except a tiny microscopic spot on. It's Mr. Krabs' first dollar. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and they spend the whole episode trying to trying to fix it. They right. like they they have technology, so they beat a computer down into the yeah. into the dollar. Oh, wait, SpongeBob, we're not cavemen. We have technology. I think like the the not to get over analytic on on SpongeBob, but the success of SpongeBob is the that it has a very distinct style, as we'll talk about with with the background and Steven Hillenburg and his his mm-hmm. history in marine biology. You know, he developed some rather unique characters, but at the same time, it is not ham- limited right by its uh, underwater premise. It is free to just do an episode on painting a house. Um, which is, I think, what the imitators of SpongeBob always consistently failed at yeah. is that they 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 really never understood that it's just the good writing uh, mm-hmm. that makes SpongeBob what it is. It's not the the set piece and the places. Um, yeah. you, know, you can put any SpongeBob story in a different show, but by putting it in SpongeBob, you allow for a more dynamic set of visuals, but not really a change in the story. Um, you know, I, I think SpongeBob is something I grew up on. The more I explored people who worked on its previous work, like specifically Rocco's Modern Life, that that really, I guess, not necessarily dry, but that really just heightened and and clever sense of humor that was around in early SpongeBob. Um, mm-hmm. That's got to be what made it like special. Yeah, because uh, I think that that it's it just is funny. Like you're yeah. saying with The Simpsons, it's it's more than just being iconic. It's just funny. It's just funny. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, so with that said, uh, let's let's get into the history of SpongeBob SquarePants. So in the early 1980s, a young Stephen Hillenburg just graduated Humboldt State University, majoring in marine biology with a minor in art. He then joined the Ocean Institute, an educational center focused on teaching marine sciences. While there, he t- created an informative comic book called The Inner Tidal Zone, starring Bob the Sponge. He tried to get the comic published, but was turned down. It was then he decided to pursue a career in animation, attending CalArts and creating various experimental films. This in turn led him to meet Joe Murray, creator of Rocco's Modern Life, an animated sitcom about an adult wallaby living in America, airing on Nickelodeon. And Rocco is one of my favorite shows. I own it on DVD, the complete series. It is hysterical Mm. and if anybody hasn't seen it who's listening to this podcast i do recommend checking a few episodes out uh, especially the episode wacky deli that is just one of my favorites murray offered hillenberg a job on the show and became the director for many seasons of rocco martin olsen a writer on rocco read hillenberg's intertidal zone comic and encouraged him to pitch a show based on that after Rocco wrapped production up in 1996, Hillenberg took the pitch, which he had been working alongside Tom Kenny, who forced Heifer on Rocco, straight to Nickelodeon. 
The executives loved the pitch, but asked him to change the name to as Sponge Boy. The main character's name was already taken by a prior unproduced pilot. Hillenberg reverted back to the Bob name from Bob to Sponge and added Square Pants as a last name after Kenny quipped, look at that Sponge and Square Pants thinking of Giget a job at a fast food restaurant. And there you can see some of the uh, original um, uh, storyboards from Sponge Boy Ahoy. A pilot created named Help Wanted, where a naive but optimistic SpongeBob SquarePants decides that today he will get a job at the Krusty Krab as a fry cook. Determined, he vows the greedy Mr. Krabs and cynical neighbor Squidward by successfully feeding a massive swath of anchovies a bunch of Krabby Patties in record time. The pilot was completed in 1997, but would not see airing until the full series debuted on May 1st, 1999. When the rest of the first season air started airing later that summer, the anticipation was high after the initial pilot saw 2 million viewers. SpongeBob SquarePants quickly became an international hit, spreading merchandise wildfire. Both parents and kids latched onto the hysterical adventures of SpongeBob and his friends, the dim-witted Patrick Starr as well as Sandy Cheeks, the sp uh, squirrel who lives under the sea. The show was commendable for its smart writing that was able to transcend all ages. In 2004, after four seasons, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie was released. Intending on the film to be the show's finale, Hillenberg thought that would be it. But Nickelodeon, with dollar signs in their eyes, the show netted billions of dollars annually in merchandise sales alone, decided to forge on. It was about this time when a SpongeBob theme park attraction also debuted, SpongeBob SquarePants 4D, a simulator attraction opening in many Paramount parks. You can currently watch it on YouTube, but for the time, guests would ride it on SpongeBob's bike through Bikini Bottom. Now, have you seen this one? Have you read it, rode this one? I have. I think twice, actually. I've been on this okay. twice. Um, I remember the end of it is a horribly evil and monstrous part where a fish is allergic to pickles and explodes if i remember correctly hey is that my patty yes sir uh i asked for no pickles no pickles ha 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 no you don't understand i'm allergic to pickles have you been on this I have not been on it. I've watched it on YouTube. I remember it being like, so actually, <laughs> I remember, I think I went on this in uh, Niagara Falls in Canada. Oh, and okay. I, yeah. And I went on the simulator with, and it was my, um, <laughs> I was with my grandmother. Uh, and at the time uh, she had like a severe, like, like scolia, like in uh, scoliosis. Like oh, in no. <laughs> <laughs> um and, and i just distinctly remember the whole family being like absolutely terrified the second it started because it was perhaps one of the roughest oh. most unrestrained simulator ride or like theater simulators i'd ever been in mm -hmm. um she seemed fine she yeah. laughed it off but okay. yeah i remember it just being like this absolutely awkward and absurd and weird 40 movie with a back breaking <laughs> simulator system <laughs> yeah um, and then i think maybe it was at carowinds for a bit but i can't remember where else it was uh it was a, in a lot of places uh yeah i gotta imagine yeah uh, it, this might be the most hoard out theme park attraction in the history <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> SpongeBob uh, is like the most hoard out blank anything. Uh, true. No, that's yeah. true. Uh, <laughs> so, of course, guests may be more familiar with Jimmy Neutron's Nicktoon Blast at Universal Studios Florida, also a simulator attraction that replaced the fantastic world of Hanna-Barbera. As part of its finale, it took guests into the world of Bikini Bottom. This would not be the first time Universal Studios and SpongeBob would mix. As said in our Kid Zone episode of Alicia Stella, around 2012, Universal's Kid Zone, a uh, in Universal's Kid Zone, a highly themed store called SpongeBob's Store Pants opened in the area, and you could kind of see what it looks like, and that's very nicely themed. Uh, the store utilized Universal Soft license for the character, with a highly themed meet and greet in SpongeBob's iconic pineapple house. Meanwhile, in Minnesota, the former Camp Snoopy was turned into the Nickelodeon universe at the Mall of America, a new attraction ironically demolishing a simulator attraction that both hosted SpongeBob 40 and Hanna-Barbera, so many connections, uh, opened, which was a Gerslauer Ewer fighter called Rock Bottom Plunge. This coaster features two inversions and a beyond vertical drop, alongside some light SpongeBob theming based on the season one episode, Rock Bottom. Hey, SpongeBob? Yeah, Patrick? Where's leaving Bikini Bottom? Where did you see that? We just passed the sign. You are now in leaving Bikini Bottom. <gasps> what? What's wrong, SpongeBob? Patrick, I think we're on the wrong path! Cute, but still not the real deal for an immersive SpongeBob attraction. You can see it right there. Uh, it's beyond vertical drop and its little statue at the front entrance. I'm not sure. Do you remember the rock bottom episode? Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, come on. Who doesn't? Yes. It's advanced yeah. darkness down there. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's- <laughs> <laughs> uh, sadly, in two- 2018, Steven Hillenburg passed away due to complications from ALS. But at the same time, Universal Parks and Resorts was gearing up to build Universal Studios Beijing. Originally planned to open with Super Nintendo World, Nintendo passed on the idea due to tensions with the Chinese over Japanese products. Instead, they decided to go on another idea for a family-friendly property, an indoor bikini potto where guests would explore the world of SpongeBob SquarePants. Per Alicia Stella, who broke the story, to create an immersive land based on Bikini Bottom, where guests would feel like they were under the sea, it was decided that this new area would be placed entirely indoors. Special lighting on the walls and ceiling would create a water-like effect, while the show's trademark flower-shaped clouds scroll by in the background. Since this area would be catered to children, there would be an interactive play area with a splash pad, character meet-and-greets, and even two flat rides in an indoor land, including a carousel. Guests would, of course, be able to meet with SpongeBob in his pineapple-shaped home, along with the other characters around the land. One of the flats would be a ride where characters rode in chum buckets, operated by an animatronic plankton, similar to the Bugs Land attraction, now Inside Out Emotional Whirlwind. So, this, mm. but chum buckets, yeah. I completely mm-hmm. forgot that existed, to be yeah. completely honest with you. Remember <laughs> that used to be in a Bugs Land? Now that I remember, I, I didn't. I did not remember that it was Inside Out anymore. Mm. I, I actually, what a forgettable little thing. Yeah. But oh, okay. wow. Uh, the carousel was to be bubble themed, as guests would ride on bubble characters that SpongeBob and Patrick would make. 
The play area in Splash Pad would be designed to look like Muscle Beach and Goo Lagoon, with the Flying Dutchman's ship parked nearby for exploring. Of course, one of the biggest draws would be a faithful recreation of the Krusty Krab, complete with delicious Krabby Patty. As a discretion, there was a real-life Krusty Krab that was built in Palestine, and you could see it there so uh, this is like a famous of course uh, oh i guess you're gonna you're gonna comment a little bit on this so i won't i won't spoil your thunder here but looking at it um you know universal could have done it a little differently well i think they would have done it without it feeling like a homemade thing (laughs) yeah yeah, it looks, yeah, I mean, look at this crazy, creepy Mr. Krabs that they made. <laughs> He's T-posing. Yeah. <laughs> this looks like a home haunt. That's the basic way. I can yeah, play. that's true. Nothing Definitely. Like this about this looks professionally made. No, but it's uh, impressive how detail-oriented it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. The tables, mm-hmm. uh, you could easily cheap out on the tables, but no, everything seems, it is like very close to scale. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, except the Mr. Krabs' desk is in the middle of the dining room. but Right. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, it opened in 2014 and sadly shuttered in 2019 after operating for five years on the West Bank. Per Wikipedia, some commenters like in the Houston Press noted, noted of these foreign invitations, the long arm of the U.S. trademark law doesn't reach international waters. Each country has its own filing process that must be followed. So... Thus begs the question, what the hell are they waiting for? Come on, give us the real Krabby Patties. I don't think it could ever live up to people's expectations. Yeah. I, well, it, would, it, would, it would always just be like a, a greasy cheeseburger. Probably. <laughs> I mean, there's no real secret formula that will make it so amazing you would dig through the sand to eat the rest of it. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. But I would at least like to go into a real crusty Crab. That would be nice. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, go to so Palestine. Back, yeah, back on the topic, the landscape shots would be taken straight out of the cartoon with facades themed as the Bargain Mart and the Toy, toy Barrel. Uh, however, in the back of the land was the main attraction, Boating School. There you could see a leaked spec map of how the attraction would have gone. This is the second variation of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the show... SpongeBob attends Mrs. Puff's boating school. The joke, of course, being that he can never pass his driver's test due to test anxiety. The boat ride had a few iterations to it. Alicia Cielas describes one version as such. Being as a location that first appeared in a popular season one episode, the land's main attraction would be Mrs. Puff's boating school, uh, indoor boat ride. The ride's entrance and queue would be set within the boating school, with us entering through the school and lighthouse. The queue would be set within parts of the driving course around the school within fenced-in area. But the ride itself would have us leaving the road course behind and heading out into Bikini Bottom. We would pass many of the show's characters in a few recognizable locations. At one point, our boat would venture out into a section of the land itself near one of the flat rides, adding a bit of kinetic energy into the area. Next, we would find ourselves passing through a carnival with characters enjoying rides on physical attractions like a floating ferris wheel and spinning teacups near the end of the attraction our boat would become lost in a tunnel before splashing down a family-friendly drop right into the dark and creepy rock bottom the ride would have incorporated real sets and animatronics as well as screen projected backgrounds to include animated effects like bubbles background set extensions and the unusual deep sea animals of rock bottom 
Recently, another variation, like I was just talking before, have leaked online that has some similarities. On this one, guests would still load in the boating school and would round to the right and see an animatronic SpongeBob welcoming you. Our boat would then float into SpongeBob's neighborhood with animatronic versions of the characters. Similar to Radiator Sphinx Racers, Patrick and SpongeBob would pull alongside guests, inviting them to go jellyfishing with them. Jellyfishing, 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 jellyfishing. The two would then tell us which way to go as we pass the Krusty Krab plankton scheming in the background. We pull through another cave into a rock canyon where Plankton and his computer wife Karen point us and SpongeBob into the wrong direction. We then float into an eerie kelp forest and get stuck. Our boat then suddenly shifts backwards as we plunge into rock bottom. SpongeBob tries to guide us out of rock bottom and a climax with Patrick and SpongeBob, most likely doing something moronic that saves us pl plankton as our boat turns around. We escape up a lift hill and guide into the jellyfish fields as SpongeBob, Patrick, Squidward, and Sandy wish us goodbye. We pull in as Mrs. Puff gives us our exit interview on whether or not we pass our boating exam. Likely we do when we get our license printed at the gift shop. Universal was high on the concept and even floated to their Hollywood team the possibility of replacing Revenge of the Mummy, uh, the Revenge of the Mummy coaster with SpongeBob boat ride. Uh, who knows? Maybe all of Universal Barks would have brought it around town. <laughs> I like so, that. Good. That was good, Ryan. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> so, what what are your feelings on this so far? Um, I think that like. The one thing that's so weird to me is to use a boat ride for SpongeBob. I feel like you could mm -hmm. do something a bit more, not necessarily creative, but like that makes a little more sense. Because the one funny thing about the show, right, is that there's a big ocean, mm -hmm. a goo lagoon underwater. Yeah. Um, so I guess it doesn't necessarily matter. But yeah, the boat ride is just a little odd to me. Um, I don't Would know. Maybe they were thinking water. Like a re regular dark ride where you're like riding on the boats, but it's not on water. Yeah, I see. That's the thing is, I, I, I don't know. I think it would be interesting. In my mind, I'm like armchair imagineering a boat ride that would start on water and then would somehow transition to a ride vehicle system, kind of like ET does, where you would like lift off of the water in some way and just have it be like a lifted dark ride. Um, yeah. But I don't know it, it that that's like that's like pure fantasy more right. concretely. I think that just having a boat ride, a slow moving boat ride would not necessarily be the energy that SpongeBob hmm. really has in its more wacky moments. Oh, God. Uh, I understand yeah, maybe I'm just coming thinking from that 4D show, I guess. But yeah, SpongeBob is so want, energetic. You want something that has a little bit more movement in it. Yeah, it's definitely want, not Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. Yeah, maybe like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. That or like a trackless, one of those like uh, like Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, honestly, mm -hmm. like some kind of trackless system. Um, yeah. Though I think trackless are really ugly, to be completely honest with you. Uh -huh. um, just because the ground is like all smooth and yeah. boring. For Star Wars, it works, right? But um, mm -hmm. anyways, yeah, I, I think that, I don't know. I think that that's just one hold up there. But besides that, it seems like a perfectly inoffensive ride, right? Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, the, it's, I, it's a spot yeah exactly it's cute it's got spongebob animatronics in it um i mean it, it's focused pretty heavily on season one do you think that's just because it's more the popular parts uh yeah, you, i mean with, with 
what would you SpongeBob ex- really hasn't changed since season yeah nine, it hasn't so. really changed that much i mean i haven't watched much of the recent stuff but at all uh but i have to assume <laughs> that the same shit's still happening plankton's still <laughs> trying plankton's still trying to scheme and steal the secret formula and right SpongeBob and spat trick are still dumb and squidward is still Mopey. I like and, that. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like Roger. You could replace Roger Bumpus. Roger Bumpus, yeah. Yeah. SpongeBob. Um, <laughs> I I think you're right about it, like the show not really having changed. Yeah. The mm-hmm. locales are pretty much identical to how it yeah. started. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. What like what do you think about like a boat ride? Because when I think boat ride, right, and maybe I'm just wrong here, uh, but the speed is probably close to Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, yeah, it was probably. Yeah, it's that's probably the thing. I mean, at least there's a drop and there's a backward section and stuff like that. I mean, you can you can get a flume to go faster. Now, what's interesting is that they do do a bit where the boat goes alongside you, and mm. that's very hard to do on water. Very yeah, hard, definitely. Uh, where you have to keep the same speed. I remember when they were doing uh, Frozen Ever After. And the Olaf animatronic, the Olaf animatronic follows you. And that was apparently very, very, very difficult to get Mm. down because you cannot control water is unpredictable. You cannot control the speed of it very easily. Uh, That's why in Shanghai, the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction is on a wireless track to where it's guided uh, and you're at a set speed at all times. Does the wireless track just control like fluid movement depending on sensors or when you say wireless track? It it controls speed. It controls speed and it's exact down to the right moment. Right, but it's the way it controls speed is presumably by turning on and turning off jets or is it like an actual just flat track? I don't know. I actually Mm -hmm. don't know about that. All I know is that it controls, it's down to the right point and it's not on an actual track. That's all yeah. I know. I don't know how it exactly does that. That's a great point. I will <laughs> say that I do think like the energy of SpongeBob, because like I, I, you know, even all these examples, right? Pirates of the Caribbean, the Frozen Ever After, they are pretty slow, and they they work for the style of what's happening, right? You're mm-hmm. you're going through very, you're meandering through a story. Um, but SpongeBob, I, I don't necessarily know if SpongeBob is that lax. Uh, I don't know if Frozen Ever After is that slow. I think Mail's fast. A kind of a speedy ride compared to other boat rides. I suppose when I say slow, I mean that aside from the more action-packed moments, which would be the two drops, you are still mm-hmm. just coasting along the water. Yeah, that's true. At a comfortable speed. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that some ride systems like Radiator Springs Racers allow for a dynamic speed, right? You can have mm-hmm. it be closer to a dark ride in parts and then closer to a roller coaster in other parts. Mm-hmm. I-, I wonder if that would have been more down to earth you know yeah. if you had just used a uh like the boats as roller coaster cars or test mm-hmm. track cars or something i guess i shouldn't say roller coaster but um yeah real vehicle cars yeah i mean remember this is spongebob so the thing is right. that they want families to be able to ride it and true if you're doing anything but a boat it's gonna be pretty restrained mm. well what do you think about radiator springs racers like i think well, that, that's like, the thing but but not all children can ride Radiator Springs Racers. That's true, but isn't Radiator... I think the car's property... I mean, maybe I'm Mm -hmm. judging one person's business decisions from another, and Viacom is probably much more stingy on 
trying to get every buck than Disney is. But Cars is like the Disney property for kids, especially mm-hmm. in like a certain range. I mean, I would imagine there's some decent overlap unless you think kids who like cars are a little older. But it seems to me that offering a small flat ride like the SpongeBob's Bubbles and Plankton's mm-hmm. Spinner yeah. might supplement what you lose Maybe. when making also, it more active also uh according to alicia stella they really wanted a boat ride for mm. the the for the park like a family-friendly boat ride that all ages can ride right and i think that was the idea we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more as we go mm. along but um i was going to ask you what about the rest of the land what are your thoughts on that Oh, I mean, it seems like perfectly obvious. You know what I mean? Like, it's just mm-hmm. everything ticks all the, box. the boxes. Yeah, right. yeah, I mean, as as in my mind, there's very little that I would be demanding. In fact, I think it explores uh, more than it probably has any right to. It all being indoors is interesting. Of course, I've never actually experienced an indoor themed land. I know that mm-hmm. right, those are more in um, in the east mm-hmm. than over here. Uh, yeah. If I understand correctly, like we've talked about that a couple times in how it, you know, there's there have been plans over in America, but I don't think they ever fully opened besides what, like the Mall of America. Yeah, um, the Mall of America. Well, that's like an entire indoor theme park, but it's not right. really like this where you're trying to create an environment or like an entire environment because it's pretty obvious that you're indoors right. in the Mall of America or at the New Jersey one. But oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. This one is trying to be like you're in a place. But like I, I don't know. Maybe I'm cynical on this. But have you ever seen one of these indoor themed areas? What do you mean by seen? Like, have you ever been and been to any? I, I mean, I imagine no. Been to any? Uh, let me think about it. Mm. I have been into uh things like this, like. Mm. I mean, there's Nocturne Alley at um, True Diagon Alley, and there's the area. The you know, I mean, there's Pirates of the Caribbean with its Blue Bayou, and you know, right, I, but I, the difference is that like this would be a presumably pretty open area. Like unless uh-huh. there, if if it's going to be a big neighborhood, it wouldn't. Nocturne Alley is like tunnels almost. It really works in that indoor space. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a lot of this stuff in Vegas, actually lots of stuff like this in vegas and it's very nice like the forum shops and there's the grand canal shops i worked in the grand canal shops for a while well but Um, how tightly those are so tightly if i remember correctly they're pretty tight like you wouldn't spoke out of a center area i guess i maybe i'm thinking about this wrong like the way i envision this is that it would be like taking the central hub and spokes of disneyland and mm -hmm. putting them in a giant box um, and maybe okay. you're saying that it would be a bit more tightly themed. Oh, it, it has to be because you're still putting a lot of things in one space. Mm-hmm. And that's actually how you put in all of these, like, um, I don't know how to say this. Uh, a lot of these ideas of forced perspective is that you do make it a little bit enclosed and right. uh, tight. So it's not going to be super, super like, um, I guess, like super open. It's going to be more of there's there's a lot of things that have to distract you to create the uh, if that sure. makes any sense. Yeah. But mm-hmm. How do you do that in SpongeBob, which is almost defined by its sparse mm. like locales? What you do is you just 
bunch everything together. That's how you do it. I guess so. Yeah, yeah that makes you, yeah. you have flat rides. You have buildings. You have sculptures and things that like are getting in your way. And then you, of course, have the horizon on the walls. Hmm. And that's how you do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I, I guess I would. I would have to see in in in, in action because I do think that. Yeah, definitely. Like, you're right. The the Venetian shops and I guess like, what Meow Wolf is, while technically yeah. not a themed mm-hmm. park or like a themed area, it's still indoor space. Yeah, um, definitely closer to like a a walkthrough exhibit than a, mm-hmm. than like a land. But yeah, yeah, I I think it checks all the boxes for what people are anticipating in a uh, a SpongeBob area. And if you pack everything together, kind of like Springfield is packed together in Universal Studios Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I suppose you could you could get some yeah. mileage out of this. Uh, yeah, and I personally think it's pretty cool. Um, I mm. would love to see Viacom themselves try to do it instead of whatever they're doing right now. But we got to talk about why it was not built. So it's uncertain what happened here. Either Universal's research brought a lack of interest or Viacom turned them down. But the SpongeBob lands did not go through. Instead, the Beijing team sought to redo the same plans, but this time with Kung Fu Panda. And you can see what it looks like, and it's very familiar to what we just talked about. SpongeBob was designed and turned down between 2015 and 2016, but fortunately Comcast acquired DreamWorks Animation, and with it, Kung Fu Panda. This series tested remarkably well with the Chinese audiences, and so the boat rides and flats were completely redone to make the indoor land of awesomeness, which is currently available at Universal Studios Beijing, which opened in September 2021. You can see again, look at that. It's a flat ride where people ride in little boxes. Hmm. (laughs) So basically they turned this and the boat ride. The the boat ride is in there, and it's... Remember the... uh, the little diagram we sh- saw, saw for the uh, way the boat ride goes, that's actually the the layout of the um, Kung Fu Panda boat ride. Really? Yeah. Does it have mm-hmm. like the significant like animatronic work that was planned yes, for this? Yes, it actually or? does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Lots of uh, mixture of animatronics and projection effects. Yeah, uh, I do think the boat mm-hmm. works better for Kung Fu Panda, a little bit better. Uh, Okay. I think about it. Yeah. Uh, so um, what if, what if Viacom said yes, or Universal started decided to pull through, what would a world where you can visit Bikini Bottom look like? Uh, could this be bigger than Nintendo? And would people be walking around California and Orlando with ripped pants? So mm. um, what, what, what if, could you see this being a big, big thing? No. Really? Okay. Tell me why. Tell me why. Um, I want to know why. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I refuse to tell you. Uh, yeah. I, I think that, so SpongeBob is popular, but I also think, and this could just be me. I mean, I have been, since I can think, since I could think I was being yeah. put in front of SpongeBob. Mm. But mm. I think that SpongeBob is so marketed. It's like such like a marketed property that the allure of going to the SpongeBob world is not as strong as something like Nintendo, or like Harry Potter. Huh. And okay. even more concretely, the SpongeBob world is not that interesting, almost by design. Really? Okay. It's, go on. It, like, it's it's like I was saying before, right? Like I was saying in in the previous part, or sorry, in the very beginning, that SpongeBob's success is that it's normal. It's like w- hopelessly normal. 
uh, you know, Rocco's is very similar in that quality. And so is Rugrats. They're all permutations of giving kids zany ways of looking at normal life. I think that's why they're so attractive. You know, SpongeBob goes to work and he gets a driving test and goes fly fishing and hangs out with his parents and uh, works a dead end job with a guy who won't pay him enough. It's an incredibly basic premise. And the locales reflect that. I suppose when I say that it's not going to be as big as Nintendo, I mean that it's probably going to be as big as Springfield. Mm. Which, while Springfield has iconic locations, I don't think you're going to feel this massive push, I want to go to Springfield. You know, I think SpongeBob as a property is so focused on like watching the show like the good things about spongebob are the show but the good thing about harry potter is that lore world they build you know kids like nintendo because they like the mario world i think you know they they like the games but the world is so zany and wacky and vibrant spongebob is defined by its writing yeah i i mean that's that's my pseudo intellectual take there (laughs) okay that's my Uh, feeling is that People aren't, I mean, unless I'm wrong, right? You would know better than me in this case. When I went to Florida, I didn't feel like people were flocking to Springfield. And when I went to California, I also didn't feel like people were flocking to Springfield. Okay. So overall, I disagree with you. And (laughs) (laughs) that's a very polite way of of shutting me down. But but the thing is, is that with your, with your, comment about springfield you're kind of like half right there okay um, because, well thank you i'll take yeah, that i i think that it isn't <laughs> it's a very shoehorned weird way to do springfield but i do think people like it i think people appreciate it i, I, I guess i'm not yeah. saying they don't i don't to be clear i don't think people dislike springfield mm-hmm. i just think that when people talk about visiting nintendo world because it's like an immersive themed land. Yeah. And maybe like the argument is that Springfield isn't designed to be an immersive area in right. the same way that Nintendo and Harry Potter is. That's mm-hmm. fair. I, I'm open to that. And maybe yeah. SpongeBob would be alternatively. But like when you go to Harry Potter, you're going to these fascinating new areas. It's the same with, I think, Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. Arguably. You could argue not, but I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and it's the same with Nintendo. Like you're walking into the world of the video game. Mm-hmm. The SpongeBob world, I'll let you finish again and I won't interrupt this time. Yeah. But <laughs> the SpongeBob world is so, like part of these is a grocery store <laughs> and, a, and a fast food restaurant. You know, the, 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 the real winner is the, the show. Okay, so I think so that the, the, the idea of SpongeBob is actually that they are relatively yes they're the wacky situations but they are it's a relatively mundane grounding idea within an extraordinary world and that's the argument that i'm making because i think that the idea that you're under the water the idea of jellyfishing and all these subversions on normal things you know with boating and stuff like that that's that's also a large part of its appeal and i think that the world is super mm. iconic. I mean, the the, the lineup of uh, the pineapple house, the Easter Island head, and the rock. That's an indelible image that people sure. would love to see in real life. Okay? The crusty crab. Again, somebody tried to create it in Palestine. Okay? It's very mm. obvious that people want to see this because... The reason why I know about that Palestine thing is because it went viral in 2014 and people were like, this is really cool. Why doesn't Nickelodeon do something like this? 
So people really want to visit the Krusty Krab. I think that people do want to visit the world of Bikini Bottom. I think that this is a very smart idea. The images of the 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 skies with the flower prints on the walls. That's a great idea. Uh, when the musical was made, they did the musical, and people loved seeing the people br- bring that world to life with those images. And that was part of it. And that, that, was, that was part of its appeal. Uh, I definitely think that this would be a massive success. Uh, people really, really want to step into this wor- world with these characters. So yeah, I- I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about that. <laughs> it's not appealing. I think it's more than appealing. It's This might be one of the greatest theme park ideas that nobody has done in sheer terms of how successful it would be. I mean, it depends on it depends on the follow through because I, I fundamentally one of your premises I don't even know if I agree with SpongeBob is SpongeBob isn't mundane things in a wacky world. It's like the opposite. It's mundane things in a world that looks different, but it's it's like a stoner world. <laughs> All the music is really slow, and everyone sits and kind of waits around, and they have little conversations. They have the little luau music because I think actually I I follow more than I did before. Um, you know, Toontown, right? I think we're we're basically making an analogous reference to a response to Toontown that you would have normal things, the city hall, people's houses, pizza restaurants, gadgets, go toaster, things we do every day, and, and we would make them wacky and zany because wacky and zany things live there. Sure. I think that that's a way to go about it, but this current plan, I don't necessarily think it's going to capture the wackiness. I mean, SpongeBob is just so at the face of it, mm-hmm. mellow, mm-hmm. you know, it, it there, there mm-hmm. is like a lack of energy to the world unless you, you put in circumstances that are, uh, you know, that are happening in the show. Now, I guess like you could, it would be really interesting to see them explore that. Maybe I'm not saying SpongeBob wouldn't work. I think I'm focusing more on, I think that the energy of this interpretation is not high enough. Okay. Um, what would you say that the world of SpongeBob is iconic? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, of course. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yes. All right. Would you say that Cars Land works? I would say that Cars Land works. Okay. Cars Land is a town, a Route 66 takeoff town with a bunch of buildings that are based in things from real life. And that is beloved and people love it and people love walking in the world because it is a representative of something that they have seen on screen. So in that circumstance, would a bikini bottom world land not work automatically? Well, I don't think the only reason people go to Cars Land is because it's what they see on the screen. Okay, and why why do they go? Because they they go. That's their initial hit. That's what sucks them in. Like we can't okay. change that modern audiences are sucked in because they recognize something familiar. But okay. it has to be significantly more than that. And when what they is get more there? Than that. But what is more ha- than that? in this case? In Cars's case, it's number one the energy, right? So it it is the it's beyond the film, beyond like seeing what's there. Yeah. It's uh, capturing a theme that I think is actually pretty mm-hmm. distinct from the movie. Okay. Uh, so that's an arguable, that's an argument, I think, in your favor that Cars Land's theme is pretty distinct from the movie. I think that the attraction does a pretty good job of tying all of that in together. 
Okay. Uh, I think it's also benefited, to be clear, because it has a central main street. And let's even follow that idea, right? That people are going to things because mm-hmm. it looks like it does in the movie. Yeah. If it's the case that Cars Land works because it's a central main street and it's basically lifted right from the movie. And hell, let's even go further and say that uh, uh, Diagon Alley is pretty close to what the movie is. It's, 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 it's maybe compact a little bit, but it's pretty close. I also wonder how, and I'm, I'm just throwing out new arguments here, I guess, but I also wonder how you could do something like SpongeBob without sacrificing, you know, some of that, uh, um, that realism per se, quote unquote, like that you, you, it wouldn't look exactly like what's in the television show. Right. Because you would have to sacrifice geometry. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. It's too big. Um, So, so, you know, that's, I guess one of the things that I think most people hesitate with about Springfield is that the one in Hollywood, while it has key landmarks, it looks nothing like Mm -hmm. the television show. Yeah. Um, but like even even going back about just the general about SpongeBob, I think you're right about about like a, a cozy 19 or Route 66 town being the corner piece of a themed area. Yeah, I wonder if that's what really pulls people there. Maybe I'm just out of touch. <laughs> but maybe it's the kids who are wrong. <laughs> because, because I, you know, you you think about what's pulling people to Cars Land. I think it's number one the attraction, number two the food. Mm-hmm. Right. Why? Um, there you go. And you, so the Krusty Krab, definitely, though. I think yes. you're right about that. Yeah. I think you're right about that. It has all the ingredients, so not no pun intended, but it really does. I mean, you want there's a food thing you want to go to. There's probably merchandise like I just uh, text, I, uh, messaged you the other day, that SpongeBob Bustier <laughs> <laughs> that was that's actually uh, sold. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be for the private donors. So yes. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> where the SpongeBob must be. That's true. You know, with merchandise, I definitely there's an opportunity here. There, there are opportunities here to make money. I, I have a separate question for you, and it's we'll continue back on this track. But I want to ask. Maybe it's just me. I've been overexposed to SpongeBob. Okay. But what's like what's true about Harry Potter is that Harry Potter was big, right? But the imagery wasn't Diagon Alley wasn't plastered on every lunchbox for 20 years. Mm. I think it's the and similarly with Nintendo, while Mario right is on every lunchbox, mm-hmm. the area wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I'm not saying I'm not even going to say that this wouldn't be successful. Um, I that's not that's too strong of an argument. My question would be, SpongeBob is is there still excitement in seeing it in real life? Oh, I think so. You think so? I absolutely think so. And the, the property earns thirteen billion dollars in merchandise every year. Mm. Thirteen billion. The kids would still be still be into that. They would absolutely still be into that. Yeah, and I think that in the Viacom parks, the the licensed parks, the Nickelodeon universe, the I mean, they they have the, like the bare minimum. You can visit his pineapple home. That's it. And there's a coaster that has a SpongeBob character plastered onto it and that's right. it there's no like legit attempts to create the world of spongebob squarepants that doesn't exist and for the life of me i have no clue why except that viacom really doesn't have any idea what they're doing with their license and it's kind of like warner brothers in dc and they just give it off to the cheapest per, you know people that could do it and that's it and that's all they can get, and they're not going to 
make these extremely immersive environments. And I think that SpongeBob is absolutely due. Uh, there's again, there's so many iconic images from the show. I, I, I definitely don't know what you're talking about by how people don't <laughs> love the world of SpongeBob SquarePants, the jellyfish fields, the, the, the flying Dutchman ship, the Krusty Krab, the, the SpongeBob neighborhood, the world of bikini bottom, Mrs. Puff's boating school, the, Sky, I, I just yeah, but that can't be enough. About it. It's not, but that's not all of it. You're thinking no, like I'm saying it can't be enough just to put things that are familiar. Because for that argument, then I think okay. Simpsons Land should be much more popular, and okay, Nintendo but, Land should be less popular. But what is missing then? That's what I'm asking you. What What's is missing is 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 any not thematic cohesion, but an um, an evocative emotion. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, like, if if we're arguing. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to go too artistic. So maybe you're right. Maybe I'm I'm lost in my head here. But the distinction here is that like Route 66 Main Street is not only from the movie, but it okay. carries with it the feeling of Route 66. But constructive criticism, what, what do you what is missing from the pitch? I think what's missing from the pitch is a show that has any emotion in its areas. I still don't know. Exactly. What I'm saying, you just like, put so, the characters alongside the area and people immediately connect to that. I think people would immediately connect to it. I, you have I don't characters there and people love the characters. People love this property. I mean, you can't say that they don't love the property. No, I don't think they. I would never say that, but I, yeah. I'm going to, but looking like <clears throat> examples, right? Like looking to the past route 66 on cars, you could argue, okay, that's a, it's a good case study. It's to look at an area that's been pulled directly from the movie. But I also think it pulls something that people saw in the movie more than just the location. I think there's something beyond recognition. When you're watching Cars and you look at Route 66, you think, "What a cute, quaint, cozy little town with, you know, the the yeah. the the what are they called? The life can be a dream." Whoever did that, I can't mm -hmm. remember the guy's names. Yeah. But anyways, you have that style, that that feeling. The same reason people go eat shitty cheeseburgers at Johnny Rockets. <laughs> yeah. It's true that like <laughs> okay. they're familiar pictures there, the, but uh -huh. the food's crap. But they go because it feels like the '60s. So. Uh -huh. But then let's move to a different case study, right? Pandora has things that are in the movie, but not really. It's it's like a, a, a it borrows the majestic nature of the film. It borrows some feeling from the movie and it mm -hmm. interpolates it into a quasi um, quasi borrowed set of immersive area. And then let's take another one. Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy's Edge has nothing from the movies. And people don't like Galaxy's Edge. Millennium, because, okay, right? Millennium Falcon. It has the Millennium Falcon. Okay, that's a good. Okay, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. No, no, no. no. That's actually that's a good point. Uh, I should be more specific. Galaxy's Edge has one thing from the movies. <laughs> and while I think people on Twitter are quick to say no one likes Galaxy's Edge, why didn't they just build Tatooine? What Galaxy's Edge does, and what I think it does well, is that regardless of it being a familiar area, it takes the disgusting dive edge of the galaxy town from episode four and brings it into the theme park space so that when people are going there they might not see something they're familiar with besides the millennium falcon but they're going to get like a star wars feeling they will left feeling they've experienced star wars and okay. i think they'll enjoy it with spongebob and i'll, I'll conclude this when before you get into that yeah what do pippa connect with super nintendo stuff now, see, that's that's I think that is even better for my point, because there okay. is no there are mushrooms, right? There are mushrooms. There's Mario. There's Peach. But that area, in fact, zero of the areas in Super Nintendo World are iconic video game locations. 
but they are Mario levels, right? They don't exist. There's no, I mean, it looks like Super Bell Tower if you want to be pedantic from yeah. Super Mount Mario Beanpole. 3D World. Yeah, but, Mount Beanpole, yeah. Mount Beanpole, thank you. Um, Super, I don't remember what Super Bell Tower is now. That's another <laughs> level, I think. Um, but but it, it isn't It isn't uh, uh, directly ripped from the level. Now, let's say, right, like I was making Super Nintendo World and I didn't feel that level of, of theming was good. I would put a big Peach's Castle and then a Bowser's Castle and then there a Mario is, Kart there, area. Those, those are in the land. When I say I a big, pe- I mean like no, no, no. Hold on, I meant only that. Only that. Okay. <laughs> so, so I would only put if I was doing that right, and I was doing it in the way that I think they've designed the SpongeBob Land. It would be only Peach's Castle from Mario sixty four, and then only Bowser's Castle from one of the games, and then a big Mario Kart circuit, and like a big Mario Kart circuit like outside. Right. To be clear, I'm talking about moving yeah. landmarks, and um, I don't know what what are some other iconic Mario things that everybody knows. Uh, oh gosh i uh, i don't know like specific things <laughs> specific things. yeah mario's house from paper mario and i would put you know uh, i would put the comet observatory i don't know i, I would just hodgepodge <laughs> things um but you know the the, the, the new, Donk city, uh... new donks yeah i built all of new donk city uh put the cappies little the the big mario yeah put the ship from mario odyssey fine yeah right you you do what you do in all of these little concept art things that we've gone through in this show and just slap promotional art onto a piece of paper so that someone and the higher-ups loves it but but i think that the reason why super nintendo world what what it is doing is it's throwing you into the idea of a mario level of course right i'm not going to deny i think that uh um well taking a pause and stepping back if you want to criticize galaxy's edge for anything it's that it didn't do what super nintendo world is doing is that it didn't properly blend familiar things and the Mm -hmm. thematic idea of a thing right It, it it went so far into the theme Mm -hmm. that people stepped back and right we see it all over the internet small, we'll justifiably small, like well where is the things i know i think they attempted it i think they attempted it uh they attempted to kind of recreate the feeling of tattooing yeah, absolutely but i think yeah. that by virtue of going so deep into the feeling it seemed to frustrate people like there's mm-hmm. there seems to be and i'm providing like a, a, a an argument that someone else can argue better it seems to be that you need to find a balance in the way that Nintendo does, in a way I think Pandora does, in a way that Galaxy's Edge seemingly doesn't, mm-hmm. between simply putting things you're familiar with in the area and mimicking the feeling of watching it for the first time. And I mm-hmm. think that's the tough thing to do with SpongeBob, is that if you strictly lean on familiar things, the familiar things in SpongeBob, the locations, they don't really mirror the feeling of the show in the same way that Toontown's zany and angled buildings match the wacky, you know, the Roger Rabbit, let's say, Toontown of the movie. Um, I know that they're not a one-to-one, but you, it's close enough. Uh, I think, and I, I, I think <laughs> this is like the most heated debate ever to happen on a build. Um, no, DuckTales was more heated. DuckTales <laughs> more heated, but that one was silly. This one, this one is like actually relevant. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the, the 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 problem with SpongeBob is that the mundanity of the location and the mellow again, I think the mellow, let's say Luau in lieu of saying stoner, nature of Hillenberg's art is not quite SpongeBob. 
in the same way that the mundanity of the Simpsons is the Simpsons. Hmm. Which is why I think Glove World would actually be a good idea. Glove World? <laughs> I think, I think, yeah. Well, I, I pretty much think that uh, the whole whole thing is that when people oh, step into it, they they're shit. like thinking about their childhood. I just, I just did an uh oh. I just did an oopsies. I yeah. accidentally just remade The Simpsons Land. Oh, did you catch that? How I how I how I went from re, we should re, we should not recreate Springfield to instead we should recreate a theme park from the property. Yeah, yeah. I think I've accidentally done the designing that universal did 10 mm. years ago and yeah. it was not popular so maybe i'm wrong yeah <laughs> I, I mean i i think people walk into bikini bottom they think of their childhood and their kids like bikini bottom i love spongebob but there's no longevity to that oh like, that I is like a five-year thing Next. 1999 spongebob starts that was how many years ago Oh, right. That was 20, over 20 years ago, and it's still thriving. A kid show still thriving over 23 years. But you go the first time, right? Let's say, but that's the thing is, you know, Diagon Alley, I think Diagon Alley is a particularly good example because I don't necessarily think Diagon Alley works after three trips. And I think Galaxy's Edge is also on the polar opposite end of the spectrum. Similar. I think once you've stretched the feeling, it's a bit tough to get back into it. Maybe I'm, I mean, who goes to theme parks three times? I don't know. That's a good, that there's an argument there that like, it's a privileged take to say that three trips is even in anybody's budget for any of these things. But I hesitate to think, okay, you build SpongeBob based on all these season one locations and people flock there for the first year. First off, I think you have to combat the fact nowadays, not back then. If we're talking about building it back then, it makes sense. But nowadays, you have to combat the fact that you're building a themed area for a 20-year-old property. Isn't really, while it is relevant, it's relevant in the same way that spam is, I think. And maybe that's just like wrong. Maybe you would take issue with that. But I think SpongeBob and Rugrats are SpongeBob more... Uh, with with more power than Rugrats. billion dollars in merchandising every year. I just, yeah, how much oh, of that is what's currently being made and how much of that is what was being made 20 years ago? None of it. It's what's being made right now. No I way, because no, no, no. Simpsons I, I, are you is talking, still a powerhouse. Oh, oh, I see what you're talking about. I thought you meant the actual merchandising itself. You're talking about what was oh, based yeah. on. Yeah, they're all these resellers making okay, $13 yeah. billion. Dollars. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, no, because I, I honestly, okay. I think The Simpsons is, I would argue that this show is fine for kids nowadays, but I think that The Simpsons merchandising appeal is more for like older, but I don't think, I do not think, I think that SpongeBob as for merchandise is way less for older people. Although older people do still enjoy the franchise. They still share memes. Memes aren't like tangible in that you can monetize it. I think that all the, merchandise is being bought by freaking kids that's that's who's buying it it's it's still a very popular thing with children and i just i still don't know what you're arguing all i know is that a bikini bottom land would be so insanely successful people want to visit that neighborhood people want to go to the crusty crab we want to eat a crabby patty no matter how much it freaking tastes because they'll be inside the crusty crab people want to hug spongebob people want to go to Mrs. Puff's boating school. People want to be in that world 
even if they don't think about it all the time, I just don't understand what you're arguing. I'll make my final argument. If if it was, if it was built in the United States, I don't think it would be as insanely successful as Nintendo because Nintendo is a different thing where nobody has ever done anything like this before. And again, I think SpongeBob has been a little, you've had the simulator. We've gone through the theme park attractions that SpongeBob has had. So it wouldn't be as immediately like, oh my God, everybody's got to go to it. But But it's also a whore. But I do, (laughs) yes, yes. But I do think it would be very successful and people would very much enjoy it. Go on. Here's my last point. I'll make a final point. I'll make my final argument because you've said a couple of times, I don't know what you're arguing. So if people in the audience also don't know what I'm arguing, then I think now I I, I should be very clear. All right. Okay. So I think that when you're translating a property, you have to translate it in two ways. First, you need to translate the physical architecture. You need to take the familiar things and bring them into a different medium. This is any medium whether it be books to video games, video games to movies, et cetera, and so forth, it needs to look stylistically like you would expect. It's why, like, the Smurfs movies don't work. Okay, that's premise one, or argument one. Argument two is that the second thing you need to do is you need to translate the feeling that the original one brought to people, almost like they've never seen it before, right? That's the difficult thing. It's why you can't really make sequels as good as the original is because people end up trying to simply recreate the visual and aesthetic visual aesthetic and plot and narrative uh, beats of the first one without properly understanding what people actually liked in the first one. Okay, these are two things that while there could be more things that need to happen in translation, those two I think are perhaps the most salient. They're important and if ni- if both of them are missed, then there's a big problem. I think even if one of them are missed, then you actually have a big mistake. With SpongeBob, I don't doubt that you're correct. In fact, I am almost certain you're right. If SpongeBob, if they announced tomorrow, separate from Universal, separate from this project, that in the middle of Boise, they were opening in a big convention center, Bikini Bottom, and you could do all of these things, it would be a financial gangbuster at the onset, right? So if we're arguing financials, I think I would be a fool to say that this wouldn't work This probably wouldn't work. There is a universe, I think, where SpongeBob has hoard itself out so bad that people look at it with disdain um, (laughs) as no better than a lunchbox. It's like an iconic image in in the vein of Mickey Mouse, but I think SpongeBob is even less likely to be saved than, than Mickey Mouse because the people running it hate spongebob i think they 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 like the idea but they they're not really in love with the thing so anyways that's a side argument my point is is that this incarnation of spongebob is gutless it's like feelingless (laughs) is lazy and lame and boring it has (laughs) now i'm just getting aggressive it's lazy it's lame it's boring it has no bearing on an experience aside from the I'm using the whoring, but the the whoring of iconic imagery. It it, it is all it's doing and all the work that anybody's putting into it is how can we take these things that have been created by an incredibly talented man and sell them again? And Mm -hmm. if that's not the thesis for Spongebob since the movie, (laughs) I don't know what is. Okay, So, so, so what would you rather have them done? 
So that is a great question, right? And I think oftentimes when people make arguments like my own, these critical ones, they lack a direction. I think mm-hmm. that I think they're stuck. I think SpongeBob doesn't translate well. I really okay. I don't. And I, I think that SpongeBob in talking strictly from a business perspective, this is probably the way you make a SpongeBob land the most true to what fans think they want. Think. I think fans think they want this. Just like okay. I think fans believe in their heart of hearts that they want to go see Diagon Alley because they want to see what the movie looks like. I think they're lying to themselves, to be clear. I think they're wrong. Their brain and their hearts are in completely different like spaces. What they really want is to feel like they felt in the movie times 100. I think SpongeBob is tough because I don't know how to make that feeling. I don't have a good answer for you. Because I think Spongebob is mundane, just like a perfect one-to-one recreation of The Simpsons would not recreate the feeling of watching The Simpsons. Okay. I think, I think I'm making a point here that I'm happy with. If, <laughs> not, that, not that everyone would agree with me, right? But, you know, the I'm trying to think of a good example, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to Pandora, actually. And this is less an argument for what if SpongeBob was built, would it be successful? And this is more should you build this thing in in a artistic sense. Pandora, Avatar is a movie that nobody gives a damn about for the plot. Unobtainium who? But they do care that it was the IMAX spectacle of the year. And Pandora does nothing else but deliver spectacle. Spectacle that is divorced from locales and frankly even plot beats besides the idea of pandora to be clear when i say locales i mean like specific scenes like you can't go into nobody cares about jake sully (laughs) is that his name oh yeah that is his name (laughs) see there's your answer um yeah jake there's a reason why jake sully is not mentioned i don't think once in the park maybe he is but i don't think so he's not he's not Uh, um Right. I think that that's what the benefit of the success of Pandora is. Some people will argue that it's not successful, but I will. So, <laughs> but I, th- I think that's the success. I think with SpongeBob, I- I'm sorry. And now, now to back off on Simpsons again, I think with Simpsons, why you can't quite do Springfield one to one is because the joy of watching the Simpsons is basically unrelated to the locations while they are iconic while people purchase little toys of evergreen terrace and people like the springfield mall they're iconic by osmosis because we love the writing it's the reason why no one wants to go to the drunken clam because family guy writing is not nearly as good as the simpsons so finally at spongebob and is it okay if i answer a build it or not question here yeah sure okay good <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be invited back for the next next episode of Unbuilt if I, if it keeps going like this. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think with SpongeBob and uh, with SpongeBob in this case, you can do a lot to bring the iconic locations there. But I don't think the cur- this current plan does anything to capture why people like SpongeBob. And it's the the character writing, it's the mundane situations. It's the mundane situations and their mundanity. And I don't think that makes for a good theme park. 
<laughs> just now would be <laughs> picturing that you're walking into the land and there's a child alongside you and the child sees spongebob in his pineapple home and the kid, <laughs> and the kid goes yay spongebob and you just go look at the kid and go you don't really know why you like this <laughs> those kids would like it if it was at the mall <laughs> And that the, the people alongside you go, oh my god, look, the Krusty Krab, we gotta go in there. I love the Krusty Krab. They really recreated the entire Krusty Krab and you go like, but see, the thing is, is that remember the episode where uh SpongeBob is doing the talent show and um uh the Squidward's doing his little poetry thing jam and uh spongebob is sweeping up on the stage and that gets all the applause see that's why people like the crusty crab and they're like shut the hell up i just want a crabby patty the best episodes of the simpsons are the ones where homer and marge are having marital problems where bart can't pass his exam i stand by this i this is like aggressively this aggressive argument are the ones where bart has having exam difficulties is the one where lisa doesn't want them to pirate cable and the worst episodes of the simpsons the ones that make me furious with how stupid they are are the ones that are about comic book guy's backstory, Moe's backstory, the origin of the Krusty Burger. It, it, it is such a, a pea-brained way of storytelling. <laughs> and I can't stand it. I can't. St- I mean, maybe this is just like a greater frustration, I think, with, with the place of media at the moment. Maybe that's what I'm arguing. You're I, probably I arguing that, but I just don't know what uh, theme park representation has any because to you do could, with that because you could if you're gonna make spongebob i think it's like okay here we go i think that you could argue that kids love camp coral okay but i see what you're saying but don't build camp coral and the no, but reason, i'm saying right but it was well i'm not saying build okay to be clear i'm not saying that i'm saying Everybody thinks it was a slimy thing to do. Oh, agreed. To take yes. Stephen Hillenberg's characters and whore them out for a baby show, and I think that there's no difference between that and this. <laughs> if you built a Krusty Krab restaurant in the middle of Universal, I actually but wouldn't they, even have a problem with it. They built theme park attractions while Hillenberg was alive. He he approved of these things, so um, it's not as if he's against them. Yeah, but he also approved of Camp Coral, and I can twist that that story. He did not approve of Camp Coral. Did he? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I thought that Camp Coral was a thing that happened after his death. So it it was, but if I remember correctly, and I can just be like the wrongest guy on this entire podcast, but I'm pretty sure he had some uh, supervising direction when he was alive on that third movie. Um, yes he did but from what i remember it changed drastically oh did it yeah it changed drastically after he died uh and uh yes uh i also think the director of the movie i'm looking at the wikipedia article right now and Mm -hmm. yes this is something that originated from after his death but the, I, th- I swear when to you, you the director it, when, in the animation business this is from paul tibbet in the animation business you know they always used to be the sort of joke when you run out of ideas you just do muppet babies steve would always say to me you know one of these days they're going to make a spongebob babies that's when i'm out of it. boom there you go all right well i, I think i just i'm, I'm just gonna accept i lost today um <laughs> 
going down like the unbuilt archives as the the one where Ryan gets mad about yeah. nothing. I I'm not mad. I just I no, genuinely, no, I'm Ryan. I genuinely. Oh oh, I see. I see. You're referring to yourself in the third person. Yeah, okay. I realize in this, in this context, uh, it's not that helpful. I I guess maybe I'm like okay. Stepping back, I will put my smile on and I'll say, if you build it, people are going to come and they're going to all have fun. But people go and have fun at anything. All right. The, they do. And I think that like if we judge these things based on will people like it in this day and age? Yes. The answer is unambiguously yes. I mean, Disney uh, cannot fa- the but Disney point is, is, cannot is what, fail. What, what if what if this was made? I and I disagree. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Absolutely fail. What if this was made? I think that if this was made, I, I do think that if all had gone right, that this probably would have gone into the Revenge of the Mummy at Universal Studios Hollywood. By the way, that was given to me from a source many years ago. Obviously, it never happened. Uh, and I think that the SpongeBob lands might have appeared as a replacement for Kid Zone, maybe. Uh, Universal Studios Florida instead of this weak ass uh, DreamWorks small overlay. By the way, we got the the news recently that Kid Zone was going to be uh, redone. Uh, finally, we had that episode of Felicia many uh, a few months ago, and uh, yeah, that area is finally redone. The curse has been broken, kind of, because they're just kind of overlaying dreamworks over it but they could have built this giant indoor spongebob area and i think it would have been massively successful and maybe open now so who knows i say build it because i think it wouldn't have hurt anything in the world uh unlike dorman which do you think that it would somehow hurt the property more than it's already been completely damaged beyond repair but whatever, there's there was SpongeBob. Whoa, 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 no, hold on, now yeah. hold on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't, don't whatever. <laughs> yeah, my my point is that everything should be built with intention. Like if we okay. we wouldn't be here talking about theme parks if we didn't like theme parks beyond them being a waste of time. Like I got, I mean, I, that's the thing is that there's an entire if our if the claim is like would people enjoy it then like go back and change every answer i've ever had in this entire show to yes because i there's like nothing people won't go to oh wow and you know I, what like what, let's I not often, i often think that when i when i ask build it or not i often ask what are the repercussions of this being injected into the world and <laughs> i often think about that in in this case i what we lose a kung fu panda land Ooh, that, uh, yeah, I'm sad. Cry, cry, cry. I just, I have no, and I think it's a fun idea. I just, why, don't have, why is... I just don't have any guilt, put, uh, like bringing this idea into the world. That's all. But why are we engaging with I? Well, what I'm going to say is art in like the way that we would engage with a suppository. Like, I guess, yeah, it doesn't hurt that bad. You, any of these rides are better than prolonging world suffering. Like, I guess, you know, if 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 the question is, do I build SpongeBob or not build SpongeBob? And my goal is to create like a utilitarian argument about existence. then sure, <laughs> fine, build SpongeBob. But if we're like coming at it from do we make a decision that is it, should we go on this path? <laughs> knowing that at the end of it we're going to get to mediocrity why why ever say yes i just i don't know if i would argue that this is mediocrity i think it's so you, th- that's yeah, that's uh, if, if you think it's bad i obviously 
you know, choose to not to build it. I just, <laughs> I just don't see it's worth enough to make a fuss about. It. And I'm, sh- I'm shocked. I thought that this would be. We're, we're nearly at ninety minutes now. I thought this would be one of the easiest cut and dry done episodes ever and we would just be making jokes about memes uh spongebob where uh you know the the meme where it's patrick is rubbing his hands together or spongebob is naked and he's you know giving that big puff where he's at spongebob caveman and you know you know all those fun memes all those fun memes and and not not arguing about you know artistic merit in you know theme park construction and choosing what to build or not well, I the, just, I'm, what, I'm just shocked i'm shocked i'm shocked but what what is what is this if not a, a conversation about like if everything we do if everything that is the the intention is the, there were these ideas that were never built right like what are, what are they good ideas mm-hmm. i'll conclude on this and i i the, the biggest sin anything can do is not to be bad to be clear the biggest sin anything could do is to be boring because it means that they didn't try and i i think that this exudes a lack of creativity and most things we talk about even the bad ones feel like somebody tried mm-hmm. and i i maybe i'm just like a, having a frustrated day um this is our baby's day out by the way this is the Siskel and Ebert baby's day out who to... which one which one of them liked the baby's day out do you remember i don't remember i think i think Siskel did but i don't remember because hmm. Roger Ebert liking Baby's Day Out would be a confusion to me. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember, one of them said like, "Oh, it's like perfectly fun for kids," and the other one jumped down the other person's throat and like threatened their intelligence. So that's about where mm-hmm. we are. Um, yeah, I think I've done nothing but jump down your throat here. So um, <laughs> no, it's been entertaining. I, I've enjoyed the the dialogue. It's it's very entertaining. I just didn't see it happening for the SpongeBob SquarePants episode. That's all. I think SpongeBob is just SpongeBob makes is is one of those things that uh, if you were trying to do a case study on the evolution of business focused media in the past twenty two years, mm-hmm. I think SpongeBob is a good one. Um, yeah, because you take a guy like like you told in the story, it's a guy who just worked. His was major was marine biology and his minor yeah. was art, and he just wrote a little comic, and Nickelodeon picked it up, and it made them a lot of money, and now it is the most sanitized thing on earth except recently where they've been doing all the weird little easter eggs like squidward suicide made it into an episode yeah so uh but yeah. uh yeah so okay so i think we pretty much got to the builder or not you built it uh i built it you don't. uh and then <laughs> all uh, the, i would like to yeah. build it that's right all right uh so uh mr krabs what do you think am i really gonna defile this grave for money of course I am. Oh, poor Steve. Oh, oh, Mr. Krabs. Oh, um. oh, you. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked again that uh, this SpongeBob episode has gone on so very, very long. But uh, I, I think that, <laughs> I think that should wrap it up. We're, go- we're going on pretty, pretty long here. Um, so <laughs> I think, uh, I think that does it. Uh, uh, if let us let us know on uh, on the socials if you think that Bikini Bottom should be built or not. Like absolutely, I'd, I'd be fascinated to uh, see if you agree with uh, Dorman or you agree with me that it's it's a fun, cute idea, and you get to ride a little boat, you know, around Bikini Bottom, and you get to go to the Krusty Krab, and maybe there's a little animatronic plankton trying to steal the Krabby Patty formula. I don't know. It's, 
it's SpongeBob SquarePants. I, I, I don't know. I, I just, eh, whatever. Do you have any final thoughts, Storman? <sighs> Another I wonder if this yeah. theme park stuff is is for me. <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> well, well, we'll have something good for you soon. I, I'm sure. Don't worry. Well, you know, we have one more episode before the oh, well, two more, but one more official episode before the end of the year. But uh, anyways, um, <laughs> I know it's coming. Uh, yeah, I know it's on the way. Yeah, I know it's coming. Uh, anyways, uh, we hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, but in the meantime, please follow us on social media at Twitter at UnbillPod while you can. <laughs> you can reach me at Open Mother's Mail and Ryan Dorman at Open the Dorman. Feel free to email us at UnbillPod at gmail.com and rate us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Anchor wherever you find this podcast. Once again, we do have a Discord. It's the Unbuilt Discord. I should really uh, tweet out another link to that. Uh, please write a review and tell us how we're doing. If you don't like us, thank you for listening to SpongeBob Binge Pants. I'm Frankie Grande. Have a great day, everybody. Uh, can you put on a little SpongeBob whistle at the end? Can that be my thing? That? That's good. Okay. That's it. Keep yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs>